Good morning. Today is Sunday, the 24th of September. We're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 75, starting with the paragraph, We Pocket Our Pride, up to and including the paragraph, Returning Home. Um, our reader today will be Ellie from South Florida, followed by a 20-minute share by Lindsay W. Ellie, you have the floor. Ellie. Ah, there, there you go. I couldn't, I couldn't unmute. Uh, good morning. My name is Ellie. I'm gratefully recovered for today, and it is my pleasure to do service. We're in the chapter into nat into action. We pocket our pride and go with it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we've taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the near nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we will begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drunk problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel that we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, each page which contains the 12 steps, carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have admitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work... Ellie? Thank you, Ellie. Um, and next, I'd like to introduce Lindsay W. Um, to share with us. Lindsay, you have the floor. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy. And I'm going to start my time and then thank you for the two minute warning as well. Um, Good morning. I'm Lindsay W. I am a compulsive overeater and I live in the state of Texas where it is still in the nineties. So that is something really special. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy here, but hopefully soon we'll get, we'll get fall weather. Um, so yeah, this is, I have to say, this is one of those mornings where I wish I could have a do-over. Like, I don't know if anyone here has that, but I just woke up and was like, oh, I just felt um, just like underwater and that I really needed prayer and meditation and everything was just a mess. And I, I literally said to my um, partner, I was like, do you ever have a morning like that where you just want a do-over? And you know what, like this, the miracle of recovery is that I had this commitment and even though it's been a rough morning, um, I'm showing up and I'm here and, um, put on my makeup and got dressed and I'm here because, you know, my, my purpose 
is to carry this message. And wow, I mean, I have to tell you, you know, so I, I, at the end of this month, so in about a week, I will have two and a half years of food sobriety of abstinence. Um, and I have by some miracle released 200 pounds. So those are, those are my numbers. That's, um, that's my recovery. And, um, so the reason I'm saying that is because, I mean, two and a half years ago, like if I didn't want to do something, I wouldn't do it. You know, like if I didn't feel like showing up, which I never felt like showing up, then I wouldn't, (laughs) you know, I would, I was constantly lying, making excuses for why I didn't want to do so, or why I wasn't going to do something. I was always sick, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, just like showing up on a morning like this, um, is just, it's, it's a real miracle of this program. Um, so um, this, wow, this paragraph, when I went back this week to remember which one I got to speak on, I was like, are you serious? Like what a gift to be able to speak on this paragraph. Cause I feel like so often it's like a random paragraph that it's like, oh gosh, I've got to pull out the content from this and it's going to be challenging. But this one is one of my very favorites and to get to speak on promises is really, um, a gift. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. Um, so I want to share just quickly about what it was like. So I, I, um, this disease, uh, took me to, you know, the depths of hell. I mean, I say, you know, I am a real like gutter level, like heroin addict with this food. Like I am, um, like this disease really took me to depths, um, yeah, of, of hell. And, and, and I've, I've been to really low places. I'm a really low bottom compulsive overeater. Um, so my top weight was 350 pounds and I'm five foot three. Um, I, you know, my whole life, I mean, you know, I always went to food for, you know, to escape. I mean, I was always just looking to escape my life. That was it. You know, I just didn't want to be present in this life. And I don't even know what was so wrong, you know I mean? But it was like, I lived in fantasy from the time I was a kid. I remember, you know, being in junior high and, and, um, going into my room on the weekends and like writing down fake plans with people, like the, the people in school that I wasn't cool enough to be friends with. And I'd be like, and we went to Brandy's house last night and Chelsea was there and her boyfriend was there and these guys, and we did this. I mean, I was already living in another world, like reality. I just couldn't bear to be in reality. And that went on for decades. And so it just took more and more food to blot out that reality. And, um, so, you know, like I said, I got to 350 pounds and, you know, there were a few moments that I always just like to share about on the journey that really like, that just really stick out in my head and of these, of these moments. So one is I was in college and, um, that's when my disease really started to take off because I had that freedom. I could go do what I wanted. And like, I wasn't cool enough to like fit in with the cool the in crowd in college. But then like, you know, I, I didn't want to hang out with the not cool enough people. I mean, it's like this disease really does center in my mind. Like I was always so isolated. I couldn't just be like shoulder to shoulder with somebody on the ladder, be the same. It was like, I always either was better than you or not good enough. And I just kept myself isolated. So in college, man, I started eating so much food. Um, I started doing the, going to multiple fast food restaurants, you know, getting, um, multiple drinks when I would go. So people thought I was ordering for a lot of people, you know, the whole, the whole rigmarole. And so one weekend I went home 
had this conversation with my parents because I was spending all this money on food. And we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, you're going to stick to a budget, go to the grocery store, cook food. And like, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. Like I, you know, it's like in Bill's story, I so identify because it's like, you know, I really meant business this time. And I really did. I meant business. I was going to go back to Abilene where I went to school. I was going to go to the grocery store, cook my food. I wanted it with, with everything. I needed it. I wanted it. I wanted to do better. And I just remember I was driving back into the city where I went to college that evening, same day I'd had the conversation with my parents. And I remember as like a 20 year old, it was like the steering wheel turned into the fast food restaurant against my will. And I just still remember the way that felt because it was this utter hopelessness and desperation. And of course I didn't have the language for it. I didn't know about this disease, but I was just like, oh, something's really wrong with me. Like I am in big time trouble because I don't want to do this and I can't not do this. And that's the really scary part of this illness, isn't it? I mean, that's what it says in the big book. Like that's the baffling nature of this is the utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And it was like, it's the terrifying feature of it, right? Like it's the terrifying nature is like, I didn't want the food, but like I, I, I needed and wanted to leave it alone and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. That's so scary. That's really scary. And I was really screwed. And so, you know, look, the years went on, you know, I got married, I got divorced. Um, I moved to New York city from Texas. I moved back to Texas. I mean, I tried all the things, right. I gained weight, lost weight a few times on diets. My very first time going into the rooms of OA, I was in my twenties and I'm currently 41. Um, just to give like that, you know, the, the years of difference there. So I remember I went into the, went into my first meeting and it was like, I heard you all talking about the spiritual solution, but that went over my head. Like there, I was not able to to understand that whatsoever. I just thought it was like a free Weight Watchers. And so um, all those years in between, it was like some seed was planted. And I, I know now it was higher power, right? Like, like the answer to your problem is in the rooms, is in the 12-step rooms. I just didn't know how I was going to get back there. I didn't know because a, you know, I had a problem with the God thing and B, you know, I wanted to be just like everybody else. I didn't want to admit that I was different and had to live my life differently. So guess what? Like the food had to just keep beating me and beating me and beating me. Every single bite I took was a gift because it finally got me to that place of like utter hopelessness and desperation. And I mean it, you know, like the gift of willingness is not pretty. The gift of desperation is not pretty. Like there were all these years I was like, oh, that's so sexy. All these people talking about the gift of desperation. I can't wait until I get that. And then it was like, when I got it, it was the most miserable experience of my entire life because it was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm now finally in a place where like, this isn't working anymore and I'm willing to do this. And it was really painful and dark. And so, um, a couple of other things that happened to me, um, I, I ended up having an eviction notice on my door. So when I tell you I'm like gutter level, um, compulsive overeater, you know, I really, I really am. I, I was ordering a lot of, um, food delivery every day and like hundreds of dollars worth. And I was, I couldn't afford it. So I was incurring insufficient funds fees every single time I would, um, 
order the food. And so then one, one month, cause every month I didn't have the money for rent, but my rent check would clear because my, my paycheck would cover it. And one month it finally didn't. And so I come home, you know, I'm in my late thirties, actually have a good job and I couldn't afford my food. And so I had an eviction notice on my door. And, um, then it was about Oh, three and a half years ago, just into COVID when, um, I was like, you know, I should probably weigh myself. Like that would probably be a good idea just to see where I am. <clears throat> and I stepped on the scale and I was 350 pounds. And I just remembered thinking to myself, you know, your life is really over now. Like, like you're going to end up being one of those people on my 600 pound life. And I'm not being funny. I was just like, life is over. Like, this is really it. Like, you know, you, you should probably kill yourself, which I had, you know, thought about harming myself in the past. Um, you know, it was just really dark. And so that day, whenever I weighed in at 350 pounds and felt so hopeless, um, the only solution I had to that was to binge. So I remember that day I ordered Italian food for like a family of six and binged my face off because that was the only way I knew how to deal with that pain. I had no other tools. I had no other way to deal with life, whether life was good or bad or in between. The only way I knew how to deal with it was through food. And um, it's like in the big book, how it says, you know, um, it's like the man who has a headache and then beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. And that was me, right? Like here I am, I'm 350 pounds. The only way to make that pain go away is to eat more food. And that is just so terrifying. And so, um, you know, a few weeks later, I finally had willingness. I was just, I, I, um, you know, at that weight, I mean, I wasn't able to properly dry off. I wasn't, I really couldn't shower well. I mean, personal hygiene was kind of going out the window because I was, I was essentially a handicapped person. And, um, and so one day I just had this, this, this willingness to call a sponsor who had tried to work with me multiple times before, because by the way, I was the person who, you know, would ghost sponsors left and right. I mean, I'm sure there are people on this meeting that I've ghosted in the past that tried to sponsor me. I mean, I was that person constantly saying I was willing and then I just couldn't do it. So I had this willingness, called this woman, asked her to sponsor me, said I was really ready this time. And, um, you know, I had some gift of willingness that I believe is a divine gift. I really believe it's a divine gift. And so she said she would sponsor me and I just became willing one day at a time, one hour at a time to follow, um, someone's direction other than my own. And, and because my ideas got me to 350 pounds wanting to end my life. And so I was like, okay, let me just do what someone else is telling me to do just for one day. And I remember those first few days of abstinence, um, I was climbing the walls. I mean, I remember making outreach calls in tears, leaving messages on people's voicemails, crying. They probably couldn't even understand what I was saying because I just couldn't imagine getting through the next five minutes without my donuts or without going to McDonald's. I mean, you know, I really couldn't, it was that bad. And so Anyway, I worked the steps, became recovered. I did have a relapse. Um, and that's actually, you know, it's the, so the very first sentence of this, of this paragraph this morning is we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. And, um, I had read this paragraph, you know, a few times this week. And then this morning, it really stuck out to me. We pocket our pride and go to it. 
And my pride is really what got me after that first recovery I had is that I didn't want to talk about what was really going on with me. I was, you know, I was a recovered person. Don't you know, I was so worried about what everybody was thinking of me. I wanted to make sure I was saying the right things that I was acting the right ways, you know, that I was spiritual enough, that I was happy enough, right. That my life was great enough. And, um, and so my, my pride really got, and, and then the dishonesty and the pride go hand in hand together and I relapsed. And so, um, you know, I actually remember being on a meeting. It was a, my home meeting on Saturday mornings that I had qualified at a couple months before. And a, a very good friend of mine said, Hey, are you going to share on this meeting about what's going on with you and your relapse? And I was like, hell no. I'm not going to tell everybody that I've relapsed. They all think I miss OA, I miss recovery, which is like, I mean, I had like four months at the time, but I still, I'm telling you the pride is like a problem. And so um, I did share that day, you know, because this person who I think is on this meeting is quite convincing and wasn't going to take no for an answer. So I shared, I told everyone about my relapse and that cracked me open. It really punctured my ego in a way that get that, that opened the door for the recovery that I have now, which is, um, you know, I'm, I stay, I stay really honest and, you know, I ask God continually to remove my pride because, um, that will take me down so quickly that will take me right back into the food. And if this disease is progressive, like everyone says it is like the book says it is like I've experienced, like, I can't even imagine what this relapse would look like for me. And so, um, yeah, so, so I worked, you know, worked the steps, um, exactly as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, like I said, I mean, one day at a time I, I have, almost two and a half years of food sobriety. And that is a miracle because I couldn't stay out of the food for even half a day. I really couldn't. I mean, I wasn't even trying anymore. It was just like the food was coming all day long and I always had to know where it was going to come from next. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's such a miracle. And, and today I'm living a life, a life beyond my wildest dreams. And by the way, that doesn't mean that life is always going my way, because let me assure you that it is not the past few weeks of this summer have been some of the hardest weeks of my life. I've gone through some extreme emotional pain, some really difficult times. And I have continued to stay sober one day at a time because of this program and only because of this program and because of my higher power. So, um, so let's get into the paragraph a little more. So like I said, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. And that's really important for me. I have to remember that. Like I pocket my pride, like it goes away because I can't live in this spiritual way of life if I am constantly worrying about what everyone else is thinking about me. Um, and then... Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. So I remember, I mean, when I gave away my fifth steps, I absolutely felt that way. And I didn't hold anything back. I mean, I think I had like a hundred something resentments the first time. I mean, I was like that sponsee that sponsors probably like hate working with. So they're like, well, there goes hours of my life having to listen to this inventory. But you know, and then even on my nightly reviews, I mean, sometimes my nightly reviews are really long because I, I can't withhold anything. I have to get it all out. And something else I want to say is that, you know, 
in these last few weeks, as I mentioned, you know, I've had um, a lot going on and I've really wanted to isolate and I have been isolating. I have, you know, I've continued to work with sponsees. I've continued to go to meetings, but I, my outreach calls have really suffered. I haven't been connecting like I need to, and like I know is critical for my recovery. And so I want to like admit here and hold nothing back that like, I haven't been doing um, these inventories one-on-one with people like I, like I need to do. Um, And so I need to, I need to get better about that. Illuminating every twist of character on a daily basis, not just in this fifth step. Okay. So then here are the beautiful promises. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. Okay. The one I always love on this is we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. I mean, the idea of being alone before this program, like I couldn't do it. I mean, when I would leave work and get in the parking garage, I would immediately pull up my phone, Uber Eats, order the food delivery. So I knew it would be at home by the time I got there because I live by myself. And I was like, I can't be alone. I can't be alone with my feelings. I literally think they might kill me. And as a result of these steps, as a result of, yes, like giving away that inventory, getting honest, letting it all go, I can be alone at perfect, um, at perfect peace and ease. And um, that's a beautiful thing. I actually crave it now. And I'm an extrovert, but I crave being alone with my creator. Um, yes. Two minutes or so. Thank you so much. Um, and then you know, I began to feel the nearness of my creator. And I think I shared, you know, that I had no interest in a higher power. And, um, but, but as I worked the steps and as I, you know, there's some sort of, there's, there's a power greater than me when I get honest with another human being about what is really going on about, about all of those things in me that, that I haven't told anybody. There's a power greater than me in a connection, in a connection with any one of you. Um, When I do something I don't want to do, there's a power greater than me in that. And so I do, I, I feel the nearness of my creator after I have that experience. And then the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. Um, I am so grateful and fortunate that that was a promise that did come true for me, that the the desire to eat compulsively um, did disappear. But it says will often come strongly, so not always, right? So for anyone that doesn't experience that promise right um, after they give away their fifth step, like, it's okay, because it says often, not always. So I just want to say that. And then... um, we feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. And I'm a very visual person. And so I just love that idea is like, it's a really broad highway and it's the spirit of the universe, right? So my, my conception of God is first of all, really undefined. Second of all, just really big. Third of all, really all encompassing of all like the good things, the love in the world. And I just love, and I always feel like, you know, it says somewhere else that we're hand in hand, right? So I'm not on this broad highway or hand in hand with others, but like, you know, I'm, I'm with all of you. Like we're all together walking on this broad highway. There's room for anyone and everyone with the spirit of the universe. So coming from someone who 
wanted to isolate, thought I was different from everybody, better or worse than you, couldn't be alone without the food, wanted to die, canceled every plan, stayed in the dark every weekend and did nothing to being at a place where I get to have this full living experience. I feel all the good and I feel all the bad. Unfortunately, that's just the truth. But um, these promises really do come true if I work for them and I have to work. And I don't always want to. So like, here I am this morning. I I didn't want to be here. I'm so glad I came though. Like, you know, it always feels so good to show up and do service, but like, I didn't, I didn't want to be here, but that's what this is. We we show up, we do the work, we get the promises and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really grateful for, um, for this program, for all of you. And um, I'm sure my time is up, Nancy. So thank you. I'll pass.